us. We are talking about movies, just the two of us. Just the you two and I. Of us. Oh, I thought I was going to nail that one. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Hey, man. It's like it's like we're like just a couple of guys talking about a couple of people doing a couple of things. Yeah, that's true. This is a we are in fact a duo, and this week is the top five movie duos, non romantical of all time. Well, that pairs nicely. Oh, look at you! <laughs> it's like twinsies. <laughs> Very well done. Well, how did your duo list come together this week, my friend? Uh pretty well. Uh, basically, last week. After you picked it, I quickly scrambled off. I think the first cut was 41 on-screen duos in about 40 minutes. Wow. Like it just I just started thinking, and all there's something about this category and all the movies that are my like nostalgia core. And like what's the whatever that would be, that's a thing. Like norm core, like I got like a nostalgia core. <laughs> and <laughs> and they're all great on-screen duos. And I'm I actually made me start thinking for a while, like maybe I have a real affinity for good buddy movies or duo movies or whatever we're gonna call those things. Yeah. So uh, I had no trouble coming up with what ended up being, I think the max I got to was like 56. And then I obviously started cutting and realizing I had I had sort of skirted the rules far, far too far from what would be acceptable on such a diligently uh, <laughs> maintained set of rules as we follow. The harder part was really getting to that top five yet again, which, which is the fun part. But, you know, don't worry. I, I have a spreadsheet, which we'll talk about in a moment. How about you, JT? How was it for you? Uh, similar. So I didn't approach this uh, as quickly as I probably should have now that I actually think about it. Like it, I, I sort of like took my time because I'm like, oh, this will be easy. And then I sat down to do it. And I similarly came up with a list of 60 something and went, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what seems to be a rolling theme for us now is I still only have four right now in this moment. So we're going to see what the, the fifth one is. It's one of Four other ones. I don't know which one yet. I haven't decided. Uh, but it was pretty good. I, I think funny is a couple a couple themes jumped out to me that we'll talk about, uh, which were not bad or good, but just like it was hard to almost not be limited here because you already mentioned like buddy movies and it was like there's a billion of those, but I'm like, yeah, right. but duo's bigger than that, isn't it? Maybe it's not. I don't know. So that'll be a fun thread to pull on as we go. But uh, speaking of threads to pull on, you've got a whole Excel spreadsheet that has nothing to do with threads. So tell us about it. <laughs> All right. Well, as is my new custom, and this is this is my seventh tab in the sheet, because you know I'm keeping them all all together now. So for seven weeks straight, I've scrambled together an arbitrary use of math columns and things I like and fake points and magic to organize my thoughts on the topic. And then of course, as I always do at the very end of things, mostly ignore it and pick the five I really want to in the first place. But it does help me with that thought process. So here are the categories for the week. The movie itself, which uh, I'm gonna start also mentioning, I have a multiplier effect, which is how important the category is. So on a, on a scale of one and possibly more. So this is a 1.5. I have actor one and actor two. So, or and again, by the way, for all, all listeners, actor we will use uniformly for actor slash actress. Uh, regardless of all things. So I have actor one and actor two, which are just scored an even one. The number of movies they performed in together, 
which I actually only scored at a 0.75. I didn't want to make it too big a deal because some people have actually done a lot of movies together and they're just not actually all that great. Like yeah. Airbud and Airbud 2. Does Airbud have a buddy? If Airbud had a buddy, that'd be great. <laughs> then I have what I consider the most important this for a 3x multiplier. Does do does this pairing, these two characters and actors make the movie? Like if you swapped in another cast, possibly it could be just as good, who knows? But in my opinion, do do they really bring bring this movie to light? I have a 1.5 on screen time. So are they actually on screen together enough? Because there are some great couples, uh, and I'll give some examples later, where the truth is they actually only have a little bit of screen time together. So I didn't want that to count too heavily. Then I have one that I called 1 plus 1 equals 3. And this is where I thought that their chemistry went above and beyond just good chemistry, but into something like just fantastic. And that was worth a 2x. And then finally, I have the... uh, I'm just making up some numbers and playing with things because I want to. And that's Perfect. that's a straight one. Yeah. So that's, that's the rubric for the week. Uh, I love it. I love the one plus one plus three. I think that's really good. I similarly thought very much about how much time they spent on screen together. So we'll talk about that later. I also actually want to bring something up because you mentioned our use of actor. So maybe this won't be true for your list, but I do want to say that for mine it is. Um, there is a glaring omission of female friend or female non-romantic partners until the basically 2000s there's like there's there's a smattering of some in the 90s but like if i go through this list it is disproportionately male driven oh yeah and and i'm i'm acknowledging that and we as we as we tend to do i'm acknowledging that it is it is not that i didn't try cuz i did i didn't put anyone in there arbitrarily just because but I just want to be very clear. We get it. Like those movies just didn't happen. Like finding non-female romantic involved characters prior to the 2000s is is actually challenging. <laughs> Agreed. Actually, it's funny because in my notes I had at this time, make a quick little thumb on Louise disclaimer, which is exactly the following. The actress's performance in the movie is great, but I find the movie itself, the writing is so terrible that I just couldn't put it into my list anywhere. Like it's not even right. my pong and I'm not... I'm just saying that because I actually think it's not a good movie, mostly because of the writing, uh, not because of performances or their women or anything else. So that that aside, yes, unfortunately, the pantheon that we are working from is a primarily male-dominated one, and unfortunately, we're just gonna we're gonna roll with it, and maybe we can revisit this category in a few more years as uh, as our industry is getting a lot more balanced on its way. Yeah. And I and I hope to be able to do so. And funny enough, I do have Thelma Louise on my pong list, but at the very bottom with a disclaimer of, I actually didn't like this movie, but the performances were really good. Uh, So speaking of good performances, this means we should talk about the Shawshank. So the Shawshank rule every week is, is there, so the Shawshank being the most rewatchable movie of all time, what's the one that it's the category describer? It's the one that you would just point to. So for this, Jeremy, do you have anything that is Shawshankable in the sense of duos that are so good and so obvious we shouldn't talk about them? Oh, I do, sir. Oh, I do. And not only that, I actually have a two-tier Shawshank system for this week. Because why not mess with us just a little bit more? Sure, I love that. I have my sort of almost going to put this as like the Shawshank of Shawshank, if there were such a thing. Like the, uh, I could argue possibly saying like greatest on-screen duo of all time, the same way certain movies hit that like this is an irreplaceable kind of thing. So, but I do in fact have four overall. And yourself? So I have 
three. So why don't we go one for one with you starting with the greatest of all time? All right. So the greatest of all time, I'm going to just, again, this is my like lifetime achievement award, my platinum certification, my global services, elite member, diamond plus club membership. I'm just going to start with by saying it's Paul Newman and Robert Redford in both the sting and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid as unbelievable, amazing chemistry performance. Like you can't touch it. So that's, that's, that's my little pseudo mic drop. What do you think, JT? Uh, so genuinely have a note that says Jeremy will Shawshank. So yes, I agree to this. <laughs> Excellent. So what is So let's, let's uh, hand the baton. Wait, did you have both in yours? Well, I no, well, I I just had those, those two aren't even on my Shawshank list. I have a note that oh. you will Shawshank. <laughs> awesome. All right. What's your? Uh... But I agree. By the way, I do agree. So my first one. So I, I want to talk about how I defined this. So and this is we didn't talk about this, and I it's not intentional, but I just this is how I decided to approach the Shawshank this week. What I said to myself was, who would be the who would define the genre of best duo is when you physically can't say the name of one of them and not have the other one follow. That's how I defined who would be the the genre definers here. So for me, the first one is Farley and Spade. Interesting. Very interesting. But do you do you have like specifically or both uh, Black Sheep and the other one? I think Tommy Boy and Black Sheep both. I actually wrote down Callahan and Rich Hayden from Tommy Boy specifically. But for me, I like I think when you say Farley, you think Spade. And when you think Spade, you think Farley. And they are such they are they're Abbott and Costello. They are so intrinsically tied to one another that for me, they they sort of they define the genre. They are the ultimate duo. Interesting. I'm not sure what I think of this. I agree with everything you're saying, as in, like, you can't think of one without the other. What I'm stuck on, my friend, is are their on-screen performances so epically epically legendary? Epic? Are they so great that I have to put them at that tier? And I don't, I, I, I gotta say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I need a moment. I need a, I need a, I need a breather. I am fully comfortable with them not being too, for me, also being cognizant of, of the gap, right, of, of our ages. 95 for me, Chris Farley, 10, 11, 12-year-old JT, could not think a human being was any funnier than Chris Farley was. Right. And I so can see there, that. There's a, there is definitely a thread of nostalgia here. Uh, but again, th- the way I approached the Shawshank very specifically was, do they exist as a duo almost exclusively? And the answer is in my head, even though Farley did lots of other stuff and Spade sure. has had a career afterwards and he's doing very well now, which is actually interesting, but those two couldn't be more iconic to me. So that, I will I, not talk about them anymore. That's fine. I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to lean into what you're saying though. This is absolutely a generational divide thing, right? For, Cause for me, very funny guys, Chris Farley's in my top funniest people of all time, et cetera. But the movies actually aren't for me. I like them, but they're not like my legendary status. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my position as that they don't quite hit my Shawshank level, and Fair. I accept yours. Cool. Uh, I will come right back at you though with a very similar style of pairing. Though interestingly, I'll stay in comedy. Uh, what I thought of is like the most classic on-screen duo: two guys that you can't sort of think of without each other. Made a movie, also SNL alum. But in this case, it's John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd in the Blues Brothers. 
So I have this in my Pong and literally as we were just having this conversation, thought to myself, I almost wanted to say it. I was like, I wonder if Belushi and Ackroyd would be this for Jeremy. Like they'd be, you, they would be the Spade and Farley. In a way, I think they are. And, and I think, although I have another comedy duo later on today, I think they were one of the first really, the one plus one equals three thing for me with them in particular, every moment they have on screen together in this movie is, is magnified. So uh, that's, I wonder if that's a generational thing. Cause technically they're actually a little young. I'm a little young for them in a way. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was probably a little young for, I mean, 11 for Tommy boys, a little young. Like it really was like, you know, th- high school, co- early college is where I think that really landed. Listen, this is, I'm going to give you the same answer. Respect it. Love it for yours. It's not on my blues brothers is not that important of a movie to me. I like it. It's, I'm a fan. No, listen, I, Yeah. Look, that's how I feel about Tommy boy. So I think we're, I think we're good. All right. What's next? My next one is going to be, so it's from 1994 and this is more of a nod, but it's just fun to me is Jay and Silent Bob. (laughs) I have them in Pong. I have them in Pong. So again, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith exist exclusively in the Jay and Silent Bob criteria. There is no one without the other. They are only a duo. Right. And whether it be Clerks or Clerks 2 or the actual movie or Dogma, whatever, however you want to take them, them existing on screen together is when they make sense. And for that reason, they were iconic, which fell into how I define the Shawshank. It's funny. I, I, I love them as a couple. By the way, I have a picture of me meeting Jason Mewes, which is a oh, funny awesome. story for another time. Uh, I don't I, I wouldn't Shawshank them only because I think they're fun. But performance wise, they're kind of barely even actors. <laughs> I agree. This was just a fun one for me because, again, the way I very specifically defined it, because, listen, we'll talk about there's a bunch of other duos, but a lot of people stand on their own. The way I decided right. to go against the Shawshank this week was, do they only exist? Are they so good as a duo, they exist only as a duo in your head? Jay and Silent Bob do for me. Well said. All right, here's my last one for Shawshank, because I think this is one of those absolutely defines the genre of buddy cop movie, and that would be Danny and Mel for Lethal Weapon. So I'm actually so I I, I don't have Murtaugh and Riggs in my top five. I also don't have them in my Shawshank, but I'm I'm so glad you brought them up because I want to be able to reference them when I talk about my top five. And so for that reason, I'm totally happy that you brought them up. They are iconic for absolutely. Um, I don't think it's Shawshankable, and I'll talk about why later. Okay. But I, I'm I'm comfortable with you specifically. I'm sure again generationally, the Lethal Weapon movies were probably like the bee's knees. For uh, for for folks your age, I was a little young for them. I still love them, by the way. Like, still absolutely adore those movies. I mean, you can't even make a drive-through reference without talking about these movies. I, I think the reason I put them up there was uh, I, I would argue that they cemented the era of the buddy cop film, though. And it actually didn't really make my pong list just because I don't think their chemistry was so great. I would say that Scheider and Hackman in French Connection were the first true entries in the yeah. in the overall genre. Uh, but I, I thought that you can't, if you think buddy cop movie, like if you were to ever say, hey, give me five buddy cop movies, I'm pretty confident that every human being is good, who has seen buddy cop movies is going to name right. Lethal Weapon. So that was why I put them there. Yeah, I, 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 I like them being there. Uh, they're not on mine, and I'll talk about why later, but I think it's fair. I have one more. One more right? Yep, one more, which I think is... Should be pretty obvious. Is it Elf? No. 
it's Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins, it's Red and Andy and Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> I had them way down in Pong, and I was so excited to be like, and it is the number one movie according to IMDb as right. a statement. Here's the thing why I wouldn't Shawshank the Shawshank in this particular case. I think they're fine on screen together. I think they're both irreplaceable in the movie, but I don't actually think their direct chemistry was so great, mostly because I don't think Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins is like the Nicole Kidman of male actors. That's fair. Very fair comp. You never feel until the very end of the movie, you never feel like he, he and red are like so, so close and tight, you know, he's Andy Dufresne's always just a little, a little off kilter the whole way through. So I love that you put it there, by the way. I think it's great because it's fun to talk through. But I, I don't think I could Shawshank the Shawshank. I hate to say it. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable not Shawshanking the Shawshank, but I really wanted to try to Shawshank the Shawshank, so I, I'm happy we did. <laughs> well said. That's a lot of Shawshanking, I got to say. I think it it's is. time to, uh, to move from, from the Shawshanking to the top fiving. Yes, so that means that it will start with me this week. So what we will do is we will go through, uh, we're going to pick a you know, single movie, uh, give you the same we always do, Date Metacritic. Uh, then we will give you the plight of each one of the characters, and then maybe an additional piece of trivia if, if needed. So for me, I will open with May 12th, 1989, with a stunning 44% on Metacritic. <laughs> Uh, well, it's not one of my top five, so that's good. We got some variety this week. And I don't think I know. 1989. Oh, the only one I have from 89 is is this Bill and Ted's? No, it's not. Okay. What you got? So, oh, give, me more, give me some plight. Yeah, I will give you the first cl- The first plight is uh, I find someone who can fix my very specific handicap through something that they have, and they help me through all of the things. 1989, you say? Yes, sir. All right, continue. The second one is, I find someone who can help my very specific handicap (laughs) through all of my plights, through what they're able to do. It's literally the exact same thing with great intention. Is this... Oh my gosh! Is this uh, the? Oh my gosh! I know that. I think I know this movie. Uh, feel now. See here. Here. Uh, here. You're right there. You're right uh, there. Because I have these two. Um, see, see me, hear me, feel me, need me, touch <laughs> me, weep me, teach me, see me, hear me, something like this that. This is <laughs> see no evil, hear no evil. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. So it's worth pointing out that my top five, very specifically, is from most to least obvious this week. Not It just sort of worked out that way. So that's how I'm going to go about them. So this one, this was Wally and Dave, but more specifically, this is Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. So Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, they did See No Evil, Hear No Evil. They did Silver Street. They did Stir Crazy. They did Another You. I picked See No Evil, Hear No Evil because JT, little baby JT, watching this with, this with his mom, remembers laughing so hard at this movie that it was like I was in, I had stomach pains is how funny I thought this movie was because when Gene Wilder starts yelling at the top of his lungs, by the way, could never make this movie today, but which is true about most of the movies that they made actually. 
these guys were so close to being Shawshanked for me just because when you think Wilder and Pryor, they're just, they're right there. They're on the tip. Uh, I didn't because you could make an argument that none of, with the exception of maybe Silver Streak, like each of the movies they did got a little bit worse. Like Silver Streak was amazing. Stir Crazy was amazing. I think See No Evil, Hear No Evil was good, although panned. And then Another You, I think is very funny, but was like, it was absolutely destroyed by critics. Yeah, not, I've seen it also. It, 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 if you like them, it's fun to watch, but it's just not good. Right. It's it's really not. It's fun to it's yeah, it's like a nostalgic watch if you really like the stuff from the early 80s. So the things that I thought were so first of all, one thing I didn't know, which we're not I'm not gonna do a ton of trivia this week because it's more about the performances, but Blazing Saddles was 100 percent supposed to be Richard Pryor. And like he was, Yeah, and like he, he it should have been him and not Clavon Little. And it's so crazy that like Pryor was just such a mess. And there's a bunch of really interesting articles about their relationship about these two on screen that really kind of changed changed how I thought about it because they didn't have the relationship off screen that you would have thought based on the amount of movies they did together. Oh, interesting. Like they weren't particularly close. They weren't really friends because Gene Wilder was a very different kind of guy and Richard Pryor had a lot of problems. Right. And so they were really good. They just worked so well together. That natural sort of rhythm that these two got into was just nuts. I mean, so much so that like a movie, the Trading Places, which is a movie that we'll maybe talk about later, but maybe not. Uh, the thing with Trading Places is like this: this was supposed to be these two. John Landis said it was written for Pryor and Wilder, but Pryor at that point had just lit himself on fire, so it just it wasn't an option. Wow, I, I didn't know it was written for them. I had no idea. Me neither. That's why I said I'm not going to do a lot of trivia. That one I really wanted to say because I know we both love that movie. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting. These two, I think are just so iconic in their own right. But also I think if you look at a lot of stuff that came in the nineties and two thousands, there's a lot of them in buddy comedy, a lot of how they had the, they sort of created this ability to flip who's the straight man and who's not. And I think that really, that changed things to a certain extent. And the, the mania and the madness that existed in Wilder and just sort of that like smooth, irresistible, but also like highly flammable, I guess, pun intended, Richard <laughs> Pryor. Uh, it was just, it's an archetype. I think it was an archetype. And I think these two are like really interesting and fun. And even though those movies aren't, none of them were brilliant as a collection, they're really, they're impressive. So yeah, there you go. Well said, JT. Very well said. I like that pick. I'm going to lean from there straight into mine, if you don't mind. Please. December 12th, 1980, with a Metacritic score of 56. And I couldn't find a way to make this clever, so my so two times. My friend and I are framed for a bank robbery, and we get sent to jail. And then there's this rodeo, and one of us rides a bull. <laughs> so there's uh, Stir Crazy. <laughs> Stir Crazy for you. Uh, <laughs> I, too had to pick which of their pairings did I like the most. And it's funny because my memories of this movie are watching, I, I watched all of those movies with my mom as well. And it, there's some, what, what is this about uh, men, their moms and Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder movies? I don't know <laughs> what, what that is, but I like this one the most. Actually, if I'm being, re, you know, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, I think Silver Streak would probably be the one I'd rewatch the most. I think it's just the Same. most fun to watch. But yep. Stir Crazy is my memory of un unstoppable laughter. Just some of the scenes, the way they riff off each other, you know they add a little bit tremendous amount and, yep. and they worked together to, to, to do such. 
There's one piece of trivia also that sort of pushed me over the edge and why I wanted to include it, which I because I felt it was sort of important. Uh, this is the first movie directed by an African-American to gross over $100 million in North America. It was directed by Sidney Poitier. And it wasn't no even kidding. the first movie, but yeah. It finished third in 1980 behind uh, 9 to 5. And can you guess which other big film of 1980? Empire yeah. Strikes Back. Oh, so right. Okay. That makes sense. To put, to put it into that echelon, I think, is pretty impressive, especially considering a measly 56 Metacritic. And there's one great quote I uh, read from an interview of theirs. So this was said by, actually, it's not attributed to either Pryor. Oh, no, this is said said by Pryor. While talking about Stir Crazy, the difference this time is that Stir Crazy is an out-and-out comedy, while Silver Streak was a mixture of mystery, adventure, and romance. So Pryor interjected, you might say that our prior picture was a ball, but this one is wilder. (laughs) It's so good. Look at that. Richard Pryor in writing can still make us laugh out loud. How great oh, is that? God, he's How best. great is that? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I don't think Richard Pryor himself could even exist in this era. Like he would just burst into flames. Like it would just, he'd just have to disappear into the void. It's just too, like he would, you know, but he'd be, he'd be a monster on Twitter. Could you imagine oh, Richard he, Pryor on Twitter? It would be the best. I mean, he would be, yeah, he would be lauded. He he'd, he would have a hard time existing in this era for sure. Yeah. He was he was around. Ex- the universe put him right where he was supposed to be. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and it is again also such a shame of of his uh, the end of his uh, end of his career. But uh, what a great pairing! So much fun to watch them. They they also in that one plus one equals three. Every time they're on screen together. It's funny that they weren't friends in real life. I didn't. I don't think I'd ever read that. It just feels like they're they're just literally just bursting with excitement to be together on screen. You know, like yeah. they're waiting to one up each other, but make but like but but to lift each other up, not to just be the next one to talk, but to really make each other's punchlines hit and like go further. Like you can just feel that they pushed that comedy as far as it could go back in that time. So. Yeah, I love that we have a mutual love for uh, loves me the Wilders and the Priors, loves them's absolutely loves them's. Uh, all right, well, listen, hey, look at that. We we both we got a one. I have a funny feeling we will be divergent from here on out. So I think that will work out well. Is divergent next on your list? Because that's a How'd terrible you know? movie. That's just plain <laughs> trash. Go on. I didn't even see it. Uh, all right, so up next, so I'm gonna do my picking on the fly one. Yeah, let's do this. So it's funny. Actually, you know what? I'm going to, this is, hey, we're going to get behind the covers for a minute. I'm going to walk you through the two and I'm going to pick in real time. Wait a sec. What's happening right now? This is, yeah, this is crazy. I know it's crazy. I'm actually going to pick, I'm going to talk through two movies and then pick one real fast. Okay. I'll have you guess one of them. Actually, I'll have you guess them both. I want to guess them both, man. One of them was August 17th, 2007 with a 76% on Metacritic. Okay. Um, one of the characters was trying to like, trying to disappear. So me and my friend, like, or no, I, I'm sort of, I'm tired of disappearing. So me and my friend are going to find our way through into high school history, no matter what. 2007. Mm. Is this like super bad? Nailed it. Oh, uh, I'm very impressed right now. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. So that would have been, all right. So super bad's number one. Is that McLovin? Uh, no. So it, it would be Evan and Seth. Okay. Right. I think I'm again, I didn't research this because I didn't pick one yet. <laughs> so, so whatever. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's evidence that it's Jonah Hill and uh, Michael Sarah. Got it. Got it. 
The next one would be, uh, so 1995, a 42 on Metacritic. Nice. Nice. Uh, The first plate would be, I'm just trying to be the best cop that I can be and get through my job. And the next one would be, I came here to blow stuff up and be smooth. Be the best cop, blow stuff up, and be smooth. I feel I'm going to guess this with a little bit. You got? Uh, can you give me any one more thing? There are now three in the series. One of which is coming out. This came out this year. There was a huge break between them. Remember, this came, the first one came out in '95, and they they got more and more fast and furious as they went as they went along. <laughs> so, well, that's not fast and furious, though. It's not. I don't have it, man. Okay. So this would be Mike Lowry and Marcus Bennett. Oh, I had, I had bad boys. Didn't quite make my pong actually. Cause I, I just wasn't, it wasn't, a, I, I didn't love the movie. I, I, I agree. Their chemistry is great. Like it's a good pick it, as a duo. It's a good pick, but the movie wasn't enough for me. Go on. Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. I was really going to pick this one and then I saw their Metacritic score and it scared me off because I was like, maybe I'm, I don't want to be made to feel bad for how bad this movie is. But it's not about the movie. Actually, you know what? Super bad for me. So the reason I'm picking between these two is because super bad, specifically chemistry between Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill is good, but like only in the sense that like they're awkward teenage boys and it came out in a time when high school was still fresh on my mind. And so it's just... I love John Hughes. I love the early 80s stuff that came out. I like a lot of the 2000s, like high school stuff that came out too. This one felt more like high school to me. So that's why Superbad's on the list. But now, actually, as I'm talking about it, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with Bad Boys. I love this movie. And those two, basically, let's talk about why I think they should be on the list and not Riggs and Murtaugh. Oh, okay. okay. Hold on. I got to roll up some sleeves right now. Keep going. <laughs> Right. So aside from the fact that Mel Gibson's a nightmare as a human, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Rem- removing that, I honestly think there was something – listen, I love Lethal Weapon. I, one of my favorite scenes potentially in any buddy cop movie ever is I would kill for a siren right now. And then Danny Glover sticks his head out the window and goes – it's like still classic. That being said – the, the authenticity that went into the kind of relationship and the modernization of the relationship that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence brought, I thought was is really interesting. And like it was a it, it wasn't a modern take on policing. It was a modern take on like human culture and like how mm. we had evolved as people. Like there, there's a lot less of them being good cops and a lot more of them being flawed humans. Whereas like there was a little bit of a parent-son thing going on with Riggs and Murtaugh. These two are equally broken, just in totally different ways and have to pull each other along. And I think that dynamic is potentially more interesting. I hear you. I hear you. It is interesting. I think it is a, it is a safe ground, and I, I, I firmly be on it, that it, it created a new mold for the type, which is what you just said, is like both of them are broken, actually. Whereas Lethal right. Weapon... You instead have one of them is pretty darn stable and the other one is completely broken. Right. right? right. And then um, he plays a cop who's completely broken. Right. So just, just <laughs> right. Uh, that's actually a funny parallel. Um, but I, I go back to something we talked about last week with movies like Seven Samurai, where I would argue you can't make a bad boys without having had a lethal weapon in your canon somewhere. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I I, I think that's but, fair. Like Bad Boys is the evolution of a lethal weapon, right? You you've already done the stable dude, crazy dude. Now you're doing. They're both. They're both actually neither crazy. They're just neither stable neither. But right. to me, there's nothing like that scene when Mel Gibson is in that most crazy moment, holding that gun, and like. I got to say that that moment is is his signature performance in my eyes still. And again, forgetting the human, just the just the character. Um, but it's an interesting take. I I I I certainly applaud the positioning of it and how much you like it. Um, I'm going to stick to my ground that I think you needed the prior art, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. I, I and I think you're I, I think you're right. To be honest, like I said, like Superbad was a 76. This one was a 42. I was more. I felt more strongly about the pairing of Smith and Lawrence that I did about Sarah and Hill, but I, I got scared into being shamed about picking a movie that that was that bad, but I still actually really love that movie. So I agree with you and I don't think it's actually better, but I do think it was the necessary evolution of, because I think now when you watch buddy cop movies, you see a lot more Smith and Lawrence than you do Riggs and Murtaugh. Right. Cause I, right. Just like now you have super bads, whereas before you had uh, a breakfast club, right? Exactly. Breakfast yep. club where your characters are, are singular archetypes in Superbad, where everybody's a little bit of all of something, because that's actually what's happened to people, right? You're yeah. no longer just the computer nerd. You're the computer nerd who also actually is a great track star or something or whatever. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm definitely, both of these are generational picks for sure. Like I'm picking ones that were just like, that hit me more. And that's why with, with Superbad, I even said like, I love the Hughes era. I love the early 80s stuff too. It just doesn't resonate with me the way that Superbad did. I guess for the same reason, maybe that's why I connect more I connect with the world that Mike Lowry and Marcus lived in more so than I ever will with the one that Riggs and Murtaugh did because I didn't really exist in that world. Fair enough. Can, can I get one more time though, before we move on, can I get again, uh, JT's impression of Danny Glover's impression of Chewbacca? Ah! <laughs> there we go. All right. I'm going to stay in genre and this will be an interesting one. I'm, I'm confident this is one you have not heard of. And I'm also confident this movie might not hold up whatsoever. We'll find out. And and I keep my info on this one fairly light because I want to hold back on it in case I in case I have a good use of it shortly. June 27, 1986, with a Metacritic score of 49. And I did I actually unfortunately have to do the same thing I did with Stir Crazy, uh, where I just have two cops about to retire to Miami end up instead chasing down their old nemesis in Chicago. This is 1986? Yeah, this predates Lethal Weapon, and that's an important comment. I have no idea. It's a movie that was originally scripted for Paul Newman and Gene Hackman, and then Ooh. as they were doing the final touches, they decided to, to make the characters much, much younger. So they went out looking for Tom Selleck and John Travolta, who also didn't do it. And we end up instead with Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines, with our villain played by one Jimmy Smits for a movie you have never heard of called Running Scared. So please go on. I feel like I've seen the the cover art to this because Possibly. I think I think I remember seeing those three people in a movie and going, <laughs> what? Uh, but so, yeah, please go on. So this is one of those movies that, you know, it, we're going to just – Reserve it right now, I think, for a Would You Watch episode, if that's okay. I'm fine with that. In fact, we could go way crazy right now. I mean, JT, you're real-timing all sorts of stuff today. This could supplant tomorrow's 
would you watch episode and we and we just live leave this as the setup for it and we just stop talking about it right this moment if you'd like yeah let's do it oh i love you that idea yeah, yeah let's do it all right the last thing i'll say is that they had actually planned a sequel but the actors did not like a single one of the scripts sent to them so they punted the only thing i'll say for this segment for today's episode i think that billy crystal and gregory hines they were so much fun to watch together I'm amazed that we don't have a legacy of movies from these two. I tried going to find out, was there any particular reason? And there really wasn't. I think they, it just seems like they both ended up with more and more and more other career opportunities, and they just never ended up getting back together. Maybe they hate each other. I don't know. But they were great on screen. Their comedy and their shtick was gold. Their, a lot of the content of this movie is going to be highly dated. There's, there's references to Menudo. Like it's, <laughs> it is like 1986 in all caps. You know what I mean? I love it. So I'll, I'll leave it with that and uh, let's move on. And then we'll talk about this more in a, in a, in a day or so. Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm excited. Uh, okay. So that means it's up back to me. I'm going to go April 26th. 1995. This is a bomby 54% on Metacritic. <laughs> bomby. It's, it's true. We're, we're, we're still in the freezing temperatures. And my next one's only in the 60s. Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll give you the first. The first plight is on a day of relaxation, just wanting to hang out with my friend. I make one decision and the entire day goes to hell. Sorry, what year did you say? 1995. 95. I wanted to hang out with my friend. One day goes out. Okay, go on. I think I have a guess. Guys, can, can I guess right now? Sure, go ahead. Is it Friday? <laughs> Let me read you the next one. Yes. I am yes. I am 100 percent going to get you to do something today because it's today <laughs> and you have no responsibility and you have nothing standing in your way. <laughs> that, that was the just in case Jeremy hasn't gotten it. <laughs> yes. Could you imagine if I was like JT, what is this movie you speak of? <laughs> oh, I can't. What a good pick. What a good pick. <laughs> I'm I'm right now, like, I kind of feel this might have made my top five if I had thought about it a bit more. Go on. Why these guys are on the list for me. This was and remains one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, there's a huge swath of buddy comedies, none of which I'm going to name now as to not ruin Pong later. But needless to say, there's a ton. And I picked this one. These two were perfect in these roles. Uh, it's the roles that like, this is the role that makes you look at Chris Tucker's resume and go, why not more? Who did you piss off? You should have done more. You could have done anything. Well, I, I uh, can answer that if you saw the fifth element, but let's go on. <laughs> I actually, I also love the fifth element by the way. Uh, their banter is iconic. They are forever quotable, but the main reason I'm picking them is because of what they did for culture. Friday, at least in my world, crossed the proverbial tracks that divided white versus black movies. Like it was a big deal in the sense that while the particular plights of Craig and Smokey were framed in a very specific world, at the core of it, the themes were absolutely universal. And Cube and Tucker like, were perfectly relatable. They opened the door for a lot of other comedies, in my opinion, because they were authentic to their world and culture, but still managed to be hilarious and relatable to anyone who watched. So this will always be a favorite of mine. I'm willing to admit that it's a highly nostalgic pick, but I don't care. Like Craig and Smokey, you're on the list. Because there's other movies that were in the same exact same world as this that went back a couple years and forward a couple years. And at the end of it, Metacritic aside, none of them impacted me more and made me smile more than thinking of these two. Friday. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think it's a very good pick. I think it's one of those movies 
that critics didn't quite get. And I, I, I would argue that in the way that critics look at movies today, you'd probably see that. What was the Metacritic? 49? 54. 54. I, I would guess that this would clock in in the low 70s in the current, the way they do movie reviews these days. Because it was a groundbreaking comedy. It was good humor. And, and look, they, they had... They had a great balance, uh, you know, uh, Witherspoon doing physical comedy, clever puns all over the map. I'll tell you the weirdest thing for me. I, I've been a fan of this movie since probably like a year or two after it came out. I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it maybe like late 90s. And I didn't know about the Bye Felicia meme <laughs> until like really recent, like maybe a year ago or something. And then even when it was a meme, I was like, isn't that what they say in Friday? And then I went off looking. I was like, oh, my gosh, that became a meme. How cool is that? That, that might date me a little bit, but that's true. I love it. Listen, the Friday, it was just such an, it's such an important movie in my childhood. Like I was, you know, I was 10 when this came out. And I remember seeing it probably wow. sooner than I, sh- I should have. <laughs> um, but it was a movie that like I, when I tell you that I've watched this movie upwards of 100 times, it's not, it's not a joke. I've seen this movie so many times. I think it's a phenomenal pick. It has one other thing that we don't talk a lot about in in some of our reviews of, of stuff, of stuff. But the way their third act plays out, which is that you know most comedies tend to have some bizarre action sequence for reasons unknown, and which cripples most comedies. Theirs works, right? Their little street brawl is realistic enough, right? The problem yeah. with too many street brawls is you know most most adult human beings cannot take more than a punch or two to the head before being down, you know, right. and they play this one out pretty darn well. I think it's, I think it's a great choice, man. Great choice. Cool. Sweet. Thanks. All right. Uh, I'm going to go continuing in my Metacritic order. So we are November 18th, 1994, a Metacritic score of 64, which I think is undeserved. Is this in your top five? <laughs> this is what I was going to end with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Top five or par? Top five. IMDb, 34, 31st of all time. So my shtick is, one, I accidentally take on an apprentice. Two, after my parents are mur- murdered, I vow revenge and learn from the best. It gets awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so mine was, uh, just wanted to do my job until someone forced herself into my world, changing how I approach things. And then the second one was, I needed safety, I want a re- revenge, I got them both. Nice. The movie is Leon the Professional. Yes, sir. What? Ah, I love when we. I love when they have a little synergy. When when a pair picks a pair, how good is that? <laughs> so I like this one so much because it, this was very close to me considering a Shawshank. Not that I think it's funny because I don't think either uh, Jean Reno nor Natalie Portman are great. I think this is both of their best performances in anything they've ever done. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not a huge Portman fan. I got to be honest. And I never saw the Black Swan movie. So maybe, maybe that's better from what I hear. It's a pretty good movie. Pretty good. It's very, it's very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't love her. She's also, she's also in the Nicole Kidman camp of doesn't, doesn't seem super relationable. No, she's a great act. She, she's an okay. I, I don't know what to say about her acting. I don't, I don't know. Other people love her way more than I do. Coolest trivia I found on this one, by the way, is over 2,000 actresses auditioned for that part, which I thought was insane. That's a lot. But the way they interact with each other, you know, Jean Reno never really plays any, he always plays tough guys. And somehow he plays this tough guy that all, that, that does in fact have a heart and just the right amount of heart, right? And 
he's so good in it. And Natalie Portman does such a good job. I mean, she's 11 and she's playing like a mid teen and she sells it. Like she's phenomenal in this. And there's something about their interactions that are just so great to watch. I don't know if it could have been recast. I never want them to remake it. It's such a good movie. Yeah, so I have a whole shtick for this that I'm if I'm because I'm going to keep it in my top five. So I'm going to go. You go. No, take it, take it, take it, and run, sir. (laughs) So it is a note worth noting that I adore this movie personally. Um, It is also worth noting that I did, and probably to a certain extent still do, having a huge crush on Natalie Portman, uh, not just as an actress but as a human. It is also worth noting that she has openly talked about how this film affected her long-term mental health because Matilda was sexualized by many from this and she was 12. And so that's abhorrent and weird. However, she's four years older than me. So it wasn't weird by my standards. I was fine. (laughs) That being said, all that aside, this kind of duo, this protector and protected role was one that I thought needed to be represented on the list, but I had a hard time thinking of any that I actually really liked. The more and more I thought about it, the more this movie just always was at the forefront and no one came close. So without getting into the movie itself, uh, it wasn't just what it portrayed, right? The assassin taking out a father figure role you know, for a recently orphaned girl, oddly and probably in poor taste, making her an assassin too, kind of maybe in the long run. But regardless, it's how it was portrayed. Portman was amazing. I think the depth that she had, regardless of her age, was mesmerizing. I think Renault was malleable but consistent, which is like, to your point, that stoicism, that sort of I'm a bad guy, but all of a sudden have to hug a little girl, like that stuff, there was just a deep connection. Like ultimate sacrifice was shown, and I think a profound level of respect and admiration from both of them for the other. And it was delivered so beautifully on screen in what is a really challenging story to tell. And one that I don't think would get made today because it's, it's kind of, it's rough. Like this is a rough story. So it's not like anything else on my list. It's a totally different kind of movie and a totally different kind of relationship, but it's, I really think it stands out in a way that none others in no other in this category of duos does. And so I, I'm going to keep it on my list too. And you can go yeah, again because I love this movie. I love what you had to say about it. The only thing I disagree with is I actually think in this era, they would ha- happily remake this movie. They, they handle some of the moments a little differently, but I think they'd actually go lean further into awkwardness. I think, I think we're in this people like make movies for no other reason than to, to, to push a point somewhere that might be an uncomfortable point. So maybe they would make her a little older and make him a little was- older too, or something like that. Yeah, I think if they made this today, they'd make her seventeen, and it would change the movie dramatically. Right, they make her seventeen, and they make and they make him like seventy or something crazy like that. It would be like Sean Connery and Joey King, or something. You know what I mean? Like it'd be something crazy like that. Like they really, really blow the gap right. out to make the point to to make it safe, but then also make her so that they could make three more sequels of what happens if she does actually become an assassin. It would be as if they made a, a, a caper movie with Sean Connery and someone as young as like Catherine Zeta-Jones. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. All right, next up, December 7th, 2001. A Metacritic has now climbed into, the, into a, a full C average of a 74. And okay. my first character... Has an old an old friend and coworker recruits me on a seemingly perilous quest. Seemingly perilous quest, two thousand one. Old coworker, I don't know. Keep going. 
After getting out of jail, I staged an elaborate sequence of events to try to win back my ex-wife. So interesting. So this is okay. So this is Ocean's Eleven, and it's Danny Ocean and Rust and Rusty Ryan. Go ahead. So this is one of those. I think one plus one equals four. I would argue we would not have the Ocean franchise if not for that pairing. I think the whole cast is amazing. I would. There's only. I, I could change out a couple folks here and there, but these two and every moment they're like. Everything that the Rat Pack meant to the Rat Pack generation was what these two brought to the screen here. I, I couldn't really relate to seeing some of the Dean Martin, St. Frank Sinatra moments because I've seen a bunch of those movies. Um, They're great to watch and wonderful to connect with, but this is like our era, the slickest guys in Hollywood doing the slickest stuff in the slickest way, and they're so much fun, and their banter feels so real they're like they're like you just want you just want to be with them you know you want to just be in their posse right so i don't think i really don't think i i, I spent a little bit of time like could you have remade oceans loving with with like matt damon and ben affleck or newman and redford in their prime probably but you know who else actually actually newman and redford would have pulled this off really well but uh, but they can do anything but my point being, I don't think you'd have any of this without those two's performance on screen. So I have this in Pong. I love the pick in general for the list. I didn't think they were top five worthy because so much of it is the ensemble. And I assume that they got a pretty low score in your rubric for on screen time of just the two of them because there's. It's just such an ensemble cast. It's in my Pong list because the two of them together are incredible. There's no question. It just, they weren't top five for me because I don't know. I think so much of the interaction has to do with them and the rest and, or Rusty and Matt Damon or Danny Ocean and whatever, uh, that it was just, I I couldn't sneak them in, but totally respect why they're there. And I dig it. Yeah. Uh, going to the rubric really quick. They, their screen time, uh, did not score super high, but everything else did. It was one of those, not only that, they've done six movies together. Oh, I forgot to tell you this, JT, while doing my little spreadsheet, I spent I don't know how much time on IMDb using their find out how many movies these two actors have been in together tool, which IMDb does, of course, have since it's been around for like 30 years. They made six movies together. The actual top pairing on my list, and I'll talk about them later, did 10 movies together. The second highest did eight. And then it's uh, Pitt and Clooney have done done six performances. Interesting. Uh, and it scored the highest in my unadjusted. I used very few cheat points, by the way, JT, this week. Very, very few. In fact, Stir Crazy had the most cheat points because, let's face it, it's not actually a good movie, and they're not actually good actors, but I love them anyway, and I don't care. You know, yeah. That's why I got, got up where it got to. In fact, I had to bump some far better movies than actors um performances just because i wanted it in that list but you know if i'm going to make a spreadsheet i'm, I'm also going to cheat with it because yeah that's of course role. yeah but this had a 98 on a scale of 64.25 to 98 wow yeah listen i i totally get them and i'm a huge fan of them so uh yeah i like it it's a good pick thanks buddy what you got for your final for the evening so my last one, so this was, I really thought I might be able to sneak the professional by you and I, I should have known better. This one I know is not your top five. I don't even think this one will be on your list at all. But July 29th, 2011 with a 68 on Metacritic. 
is okay. Sixty-eight. No, it's not the one that I was thinking of. Okay, go on. All right. So one of the characters, character one, is trying to get my life together while going through a rough patch. I meet someone who becomes my guide, and he betrays me in the worst way possible. Whoa, that sounds very heavy. Kind of buddy does that. What's the next one? Uh, the next one is going about my business as usual until a group of people fall into my life and make things endlessly complicated. What year? One more time. Two thousand eleven. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm. I know I'm going to enjoy whatever you're about to say. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This movie. What if I give you Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. Is it? Is it? Forty-year-old virgin? No, this is crazy, stupid love. Oh, I haven't seen this movie. This oh, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. Okay. Is it them? Are they the pair? They're the pair. Yeah. Talk to me, buddy. What's what's up with the uh, the Carell Gosling, the geese? Oh, okay. I know this is kind of wild considering all the amazing duos. And when I look at my contender pong list, I will have no problem admitting that there are duos who are undoubtedly more iconic. <laughs> However, what Carell and Gosling did in this movie, something that lives at the core of most pal around, buddy cop, blossoming friendship, student teacher movies, was something truly special. There is inevitably an exchange in most of these movies. One learns love, the other learns patience. One learns respect, the other learns discipline. But if you've not seen this movie, which I can't believe you haven't, and I mean really seen it, I would encourage you to go watch it again. The balance that they strike of beauty and blemish in these two characters is bordering on perfection. It is so evident to you watching what each character needs, but it is played so perfectly by each other actor that the character doesn't see it. And what makes this a true standout is that they are able to very naturally and comically use the other character to bring the flaws to light. As I mentioned before, this is not a new trope. There are shades of it in probably 80% of the movies we'll reference today. But it is so perfectly achieved in this movie by two phenomenal actors that it needed to be on the list. There is a four-minute scene that is a crescendo of sorts that puts the tension and love and confusion and growth all on full display that I would hold up against almost any other comedic scene in the past two decades. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Listen, the level of elegance and sophistication that they snuck into this rom-com it never ceases to amaze me, dude. And and for that reason, Cal and Jacob are firmly planted on my top five. Well, on that alone, I feel if, if nothing else, I better watch that scene. But no, I want to check it out. It's funny because in my head, I have a hard time picturing Ryan. Ryan Gosling to me is sort of your, he's, he's, he's a stoic seeming guy. You know, he has great chemistry with Emma Stone in, um, in La La Land. But I found that like the rare exception to the rule. Like I, I think he's strong as like the male lead and the and the romantic lead and all that. I have a hard time seeing him as as like a buddy. So I'm very curious to go watch that performance. So Emma Stone's in this movie, and I'm not going to say anything else. But you, you have to watch this. Like right. watch this. Watch this with your wife. It's a super easy rom com. However. Now walking into it, understanding that there's something to watch for, I think will change the way you watch it. It'll be a lot of fun. Sounds good. All right. Well, then I will wrap up now. I'm going to say my first Pong entry, which I'll which, which I'll wait for Pong, really belongs on the top five list. Like there's it's it's a crime that I'm not saying it, but when it comes down to me picking my personal top five, it's just it's a different generation, so I just it's a harder watch. But it is such a special movie, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, that I'm just saying that before I go to my fifth. So that's my little pseudo disclaimer. Because my fifth movie is also what I think is a great movie, but a little less uh, poignant. 
Shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> July 20th, 1988, with a Metacritic score of 78. Okay. I was an accountant who just wanted to do the right thing, and now I'm on the run. Okay. I like to hit people with my car door, and I steal sunglasses from the FBI. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm missing this one. The movie also includes Yaffa Kodo, which I'm saying because I just love his name, and Dennis Farina. Okay, I know Dennis Farina, but I still have no idea what this is. Interesting. Directed by Martin Brest, director of Beverly Hills Cop, Scent of a Woman, Meet Joe Black. Nothing. The movie... Oh, my gosh. I wonder if you... The movie is called Midnight Run. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yep. Have you seen it? I've seen it once. Yes. Okay. So this is in that Fletch level. It. This, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something that you're gonna. You're gonna hear, and you're gonna be like, Jeremy, how are you saying this? This is a far better movie than Fletch. This is a very <gasps> good comedy. This is a action comedy that mostly comedy with some action moments that holds up from start to finish. Whereas Fletch is nostalgic and I love it and it's fun. This is a really well-written, great movie where Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin are amazing together. I'm surprised wheelhouse for you. I got to say this feels like a GT kind of movie. So I got it. I'm, I'm going to give a friend, I'm going to give my friend Archie a shout out because he's a huge movie buff and I ran a couple of my, like a couple of mine by him and I know this is not fun for anybody who can't see, which is everyone, but it says Midnight Run Sure does on, on a post-it note on my desk from talking to him because he's like, how can you not include Midnight Run? And I went and looked up Midnight Run and went, I don't remember enough of this movie uh, to say if it's worth it or not. And so I can't include it because even though it probably deserves to be here, for me, it didn't come to mind, which means I can't put it on the list. So Wow. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, JT did have that post-it. Not only that, what was crazy is he picked it out of a card deck that he had pre-written on, <laughs> chewed it up and ate it, and still have the right name. I can't believe that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Going to the rubric again, by the way, the only ding at all, because you got De Niro's and, uh, you know, and Grodin, both great actors, this is their only on-screen appearance together. So this is the only thing that got them from, from beating out uh, Clooney and Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. So it adjusted 96.25. And I'll also say this, Ocean's Eleven, Midnight Run, and The Professional were three unadjusted scores. No Jeremy special points to hit the top three. And nice. I did want to take a quick moment and thank in particular Jeff and Tammy for great input on helping me with the rubric. Because I was a little stuck on how I had so many ways I was thinking about it. And uh, I think it actually was Tammy who first said the one plus one equals three thing. So it's really good. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks. So yeah, uh, this movie, you got to see it, man. I, I think you're going to watch it and be like, yeah, I'm going to have to come redo that whole episode just because of how good <laughs> they are. Probably not that, but but they're good. I, I'm Listen, I will put this on a I just watch list, which it's growing every week. I get at least one movie. This is my movie this week for sure. Nice. All right. That means it's time to get into Pong. So do you want to tell everybody how we're doing Pong this week, JT? Sure. So because we have a lot of them, this this week we're going to do the year of the film, and then we're going to do explain the duo's plight, their relationship, something in five words or less. And that's exactly five words or less. No more, no grammar, 
any tense of speech, noun, verb, adjective, pronoun. Are there other parts of speech? I'm sure. Probably. <laughs> My ninth grade English teacher is very mad at me right now. I didn't like her anyway. I'll go first. And I just want to say that the first three on my list were in contention for the top five and probably could easily supplant at least two of them. But I just, listen, I said what I said. I'm not sad. So the first one is 1991, Doctor, Patient, Nothing Confidential. Doctor, Patient, Nothing Confidential. Secrets, nothing, nothing, what? Okay, this is Bob Wiley and Dr. Leo Marvin in What About Bob? <laughs> nice. So this is the one that was my really, really should have been the top five. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I, I guess we won't really talk about it because we're going to go long anyway. So 1959, I will point out it did actually, and we're going to skip this for most of them, but this one I had to mention has a 98 Metacritic score. And according to the BBC, it is the number one comedy of all time. Cross-dressing jazz musicians avoiding the mafia. I don't know. Some like it hot. Tony Curtis and oh, Jack Lemmon. God, yeah. And it's okay. so good. It's so amazing. And it broke so many boundaries. And I was reading even more about the history of like how they made it. Because it was like the first movie to ever address topics like homosexuality and cross-dressing in a real sense. And actually was commercially successful. And it was produced outside of the normal means of movies at the time. And there were all this. And, like, and it's one of those movies like I'm so happy that it's on every list of great comedies and all that. And if you have not seen it, by the way, it holds up. It's brilliant. I have seen it, but not recently enough. And that's a great one. So I will, I'll pull that back out. All right. My next one is uh, 2007 small town, big secret police. <laughs> Nothing go. Uh, this is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and hot fuzz. Oh, nice. Uh, we'll get to them in a bit. Uh, 1983 street beggar privileged yuppie OJ. Okay. So this is, I have another list. that's not my contender pong list that I called meh and meh is Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd as Lewis Winthorpe and Billy Ray Valentine in trading places because they weren't in the movie enough together until the end, even though the last 20 minutes of this movie of them together probably is worth them not being together in the first half. But I kept it off the list for that reason. Fair point. It's why I didn't get my top five. Actually, same same thing. It's like they're it's a it's beloved in every way, but their actual screen time is pretty low. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one is there's it's a series of them, but I'm going to use the one from 2019, and all I'll say is let me tell you about. Well, I don't know what that is. Ice Age. What, what like? Let me tell you about. It's Buzz and Woody. Let me tell you about my best friend. Oh, I don't. I can't. I can't <laughs> sing the Toy Story songs. Good choice. Oh, that's fine. 1989, <laughs> racist lady chauffeur Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about Driving Miss Daisy. This is a great one. I, I totally missed that one. That's great. Uh, okay, let's do 2009, Sleuthing and Jolly Old. Sleuthing and Jolly Old? Sleuthing in Jolly Old. Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes, yeah. Jude, Jude Law, Danny Jr. Yeah, it's a yes. great one. They, they were in they're in here somewhere, I think. Um, okay, 2002, Castle Defenders competing kill counts. Castle Defenders competing kill counts. I have no idea. That's uh, Jean-Rhys Davies and Orlando Bloom in the Two Towers, the Gimli and, the, and Legolas. 
Okay, love it. Uh, let's do 1985, time travel teammates. 1985, Oedipal teenager defamed nuclear scientist. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, all right, so then I'll go again. Let's do 1978, chili choking pepper bellies. Oh, I have no idea what that is. It's uh, Cheech and Chong. Oh, nice. All right, 2003, fight spider bipolar companion piggyback. Fight spider bipolar companion. Fight spider 2003? I don't know. I have no idea. That's Return of the King. This time it's Sean Astin and Elijah Wood. Oh, okay. So I'll give you um, Tiny Friends Big Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> then uh okay i'll go from there 2011 x cop street racer steel safe <laughs> okay so it's vin diesel and i'm assuming paul walker yeah so i had them in my meh list because i thought their best performance was the first one but we and we should have said this at the top actually we had a rule against protagonist antagonist conflict and right. in the, even though in, in the first one technically they were against each other, even though Vin Diesel wasn't aware of that. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Did you spoil the entire <laughs> franchise? <laughs> the entire franchise is ruined. Uh, 1999, Guns, Meetings, Soap, Meetings. Fight Club. Yes. I have that as, where's my where's my Fight Club entry? Oh my gosh, I lost it on the list. Oh, Split Personality, Mayhem, Soap Maker. Yeah, yeah that's good. All right, uh, 2008, Unrelated Best Friends Prestige Worldwide. Okay, okay. I have Bumping Heads to Bunk Beds. Nice, nice. I'll give more. <laughs> 1988, Yuppie Discovers Driving Counting Brother. Oh, Rekindling Family Toothpicks Casinos. Nice. <laughs> 2017, Step brothers discover sister destroy home. <laughs> Step brothers. Step brothers 2017 destroy home. I have no idea. Thor Ragnarok. Oh, that's so good. And it's for me, it's, Hem- it's Hemsworth and Hiddleton, who, by the way, have done like seven movies together. And I think their chemistry is phenomenal in this one in particular. It's the only one. That I would say that they're they, the way they interact with each other, just so much fun. Yeah, that's actually great. I'm mad I missed that one. Uh, let's do 1986 Jerk Pushes Impressionable Friend Limits. That sounds like Ferris Bueller. <laughs> it is, it is Ferris Bueller. Yeah. 1984 <laughs> Teenager Veteran Remodel Home Championship. Dis- <laughs> Discipline Kicks and Car Washes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 2004 Slacker's Best Friend Caged Zombie 2004 Slacker's Best Friend Caged Zombie I don't know Maybe Tethered would have been better than Caged That's Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and Shaun of the Dead Oh Shaun of the Dead's great Uh, Yeah okay yeah Tethered That's great yeah, I was I struggled between which one of those two I wanted because I actually they they had a, a strong that's why he was in my almost top five because those two together are hysterical. Uh okay, let's do 2012 fake lives form real friendship. Fake lives. 
I don't know. It's fun. This is uh, Tatum and Hill in Twenty One Jump Street. Oh, they're in my whatever we call the, the meh, the the, yeah. the last, the last, uh, the last group. I like it. All right, uh, Captain. Uh, sorry, nineteen eighty two. Captain marooned. Sacrifice few many. Actually, it should be many few. Captain marooned. What year is this? Nineteen eighty two. Eighty two. A boy. Captain Marooned in 1982. I don't think I'm going to get this one. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, which is funny because I'm actually wearing a Star, a Star Trek shirt today. I know. And still missed that. Good for me. That's why I need to the few and need to the many thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. It was good. That was, it was a great – It was you set me up for it. I just messed it up. Uh, all right. Let's do 1998, A Veteran and a Vagabond. Is that uh, uh, First Blood? No. What, what if I told you – uh, a veteran, vagabond, and a rug. Wait, you said, oh, you said 98. Yeah. Oh, that's what threw me off. I'm sorry. Then I have two to to play back with you. Vietnam vet bowler Shomer Shabbos. <laughs> and rug owner drinks white Russians. Yeah, that's great. Big Lebowski. I like both of yours more than I like mine. Those are wonderful. I think those are the first two I wrote, by the way, when, when we started doing this. Those are the first two I wrote. That's great. Uh, all right, 1994, Lost and Frowned Road Trip. Nothing. Dumb and Dumber. Oh, nice. 1986. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to point out this Metacritic because I had no idea it was so incredibly low. 24. Oh, boy. Scottish Headhunter Trains Young Swordsman. 1986, you said? Highlander? Yeah. Okay. 24 Metacritic for Highlander? That's pretty Doesn't low. Right. Doesn't feel right. Yeah, that feels pretty low. Uh, let's do 2008 business transaction creates friendship baby. <laughs> creates friendship baby. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so actually, uh, this is baby mama with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 1989, Colonel Command's first mixed regiment. Oh, I don't know. That's Glory, and it's Denzel and Matthew Broderick. Oh, that's a good one, and I totally missed it. Totally, yeah, I, I had toyed with it. I had toyed with it for like top five for a little while, and I just don't. I don't love the movie enough. It just wasn't the movie itself. They're they're both amazing in it, though. Mm, that's a good one that I just really missed. That's probably top five contention if I think about it. Oh man. Okay. Uh, Two thousand five. Partying partiers party with people. Sounds like Hangover. Well, basically, wedding crashers. Oh, better, yeah. All right, 81, Rhythmic Soldiers Steel RV Czechoslovakia. Spies Like Us? Stripes. Oh, sorry, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew, okay. That's funny. I like that. Uh, Let's do 1992 Gambling Basketball Street Jeopardy? White Man Can't Jump? <laughs> yeah. 1983, Brothers, Mouse, Beer, Hockey, Hosers. Oh, Strange Bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Love it, you hoser. Uh, all right, let's do 1992, Public Access to All Access. Okay, I'll see your 1992 with Party Time, Dreamweaver, Aurora, Schwing. <laughs> yeah, Schwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do 2019 
Sass, Tweed, Need for Speed. Ford and Ferrari? Yeah. <laughs> nice. 1989, Lousy Guitarists Give History Presentation. <laughs> is this is Spinal Tap? No. No, 1989. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. What is it? Bill and Ted's. Oh, Bill and Ted's. Okay, yeah. I, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 1994, Condiments, Briefcases, Wallets, Diners. That's Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Nice. 19, wait, who? Oh, uh, Travolta and, and Jackson? Yeah, Vega and Winfield. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1980, saves from freezing, gets frozen. 1980, saves from freezing, gets frozen. I don't know. That's Han and Luke from Empire. Interesting. So I have in my meh list... Uh, <laughs> Do it. <laughs> All right, so pilot, bad guys. There we have it. That's come up a lot today. Yeah. 1997, genius janitor besties like apples. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. Also actually a strong contender for a while and then just sort of fell off for me. Yeah, it's it's a good one though. Uh, Let's do 1996. Big bears with these claws. Oh, swingers. Yeah, yeah. 1988, DNA separated birth, big, small. Oh, uh, twins. Yes. Yeah, that's great. I don't have that, but that's very funny. Uh, 2010, border patrol, smugglers, coffee can? Come on. So this is uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis in Due Date. And it's not a particularly uh, good movie, but it's an amazing performance by both of them. Their chemistry is great. They're fun. 2010, food, driving, Michael Caine impressions. 2010, Michael Caine impressions. I feel like this is going to make me sad when I don't get it, but I don't think I'm going to get this. You might not have seen yeah. it. It's actually now four movies by Coogan and Bryden. It's called The Trip, and they've now done four of them. And if you have not seen them, put those on the list to watch with your wife because they're lovely little films. Yeah, I've not seen that, so I definitely will. Uh, okay, so 2011, Obligation Forces Self-Discovery. Nothing. Okay. Uh, this is, I'm specifically going to say Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids. Mm. 2009, Lonely Husband Meets Best Buddy. 2000, I feel like this is a dog, but I don't know. No, it's uh, Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel and I Love You, Man. Oh, I Love You, Man is such a good one. I can't believe I missed that. Oh, that's a bummer. That's a good pick. Uh, 1995 is an, it's a giveaway, but I don't care. yippee Kaye, New York City. <laughs> nice. Wait, 95? Yeah. Wait, what does nine? Wait, what? Wait, what? What Die Hard with it? a Vengeance, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, Bruce vengeance for the Vengeance. Okay. Well, it's funny because I had my meh group. I actually had, and I debated this for a long time because I actually was going to put it in my top five, which was uh, Reginald Denny and Bruce Willis in the original Die Hard because I think their like walkie-talkie chemistry is so great, but their actual on-screen time is like a minute. So it's like a minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. 2010 uh, fixes unexpected stuttering monarch. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, King's Speech with Harrison yeah. Rush. 
Yeah. That's great. Uh, I am, um, I'm so proud of this, but also mildly embarrassed, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, you do it. 1994, limb itless friendship. Uh, I'm thinking about like the fugitive or something, but Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan. Uh, okay, nice. I was thinking about an arm. Well played. I like it. 2010, Irish crack addict boxing brothers. Oh, uh, I, I think I, I didn't see this movie. Is it one? Is it the fighter? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the fighter. Yeah, I didn't see it. Again, you don't like Christian Bale. Go on. I do like Christian Bale. Clearly, you don't. Uh, Nineteen ninety-six, sleuth, a sleuth scientist sneaking sludge missiles. Sleuth. No idea. This is Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage in The Rock. Oh, got this sludge. Yeah, well done. Nineteen eighty-five, <laughs> Road Dushanbe, Doctor playing through. And you've said it already, but you don't know the movie well enough. It's Spies Like Us. Oh, Spies Like Us. Okay, They're on yeah, the road I, to do Shindy, and then there's a scene with Bob Hope. Is it Doctor? Doctor? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Right. Um, 1988, playing pretend downward for love. Downward? Yeah. Oh, no. What'd you got? This is Eddie Murphy in Arsenio Hall and Coming to America. Oh, well done. Yeah, they were in my math group because they, they're, they're, again, their on-screen time is fairly low. Um, I'm just going to do it because I wanted to say it before when you named it earlier, but in 1994, Innocent Banker, Harmonica, Parole, Zawataneo. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, let's do 2006, High Fashion, Higher Drama. Is that uh, the Prada, Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> yeah, Devil Wears Prada, yeah. Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway. Oh, Emily Blunt, okay, got it. Yeah. 1991, Cop, Surfer, Bank, Fast, Furious. Oh, uh, point, uh, yeah, point blank. Or point, point break, break, sorry. It technically yeah. wasn't because of what you said earlier. Like, they weren't technically buddies, but I, 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 I cheat in Pong a lot. Yeah, that's fine. Pong is fine. Okay, so this is my last one until I get into meh, uh, which means the meh ones I don't think I have the descriptions for. So it's 1993, Rivalry Resurrected with Recent Resident. I'm going to love this go. Grumpy old men. Nice. Uh, one you mentioned earlier, 1994, quiet drug dealer and friend. Quiet drug dealer and friend. Quiet drug dealer. I'm missing this. What if I did a drug dealer and quiet friend? It's Jay and, Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, Jay and Silent Bob. Okay. You said them earlier. I was going to play with them. Yeah. All right. I'm in my mail list too. That was all I had prepared. So let's uh, let's rattle through these. Uh, okay. So I don't have yeah. So the only ones that I've got, I've got uh, Axel Foley and Taggart from Beverly Hills Cop. Cool. I got uh, Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel in Guardians of the Galaxy as Rock mm. and Fruit. I like that one. Uh, I've got uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson from In Bruges. Oh, nice one. Yeah. I'm I'm skipping all the ones we've already mentioned. Uh, another, there. This is this is questionable, but Will Wheaton and River Phoenix and Stand by Me. Hmm. I think they were phenomenal in this movie together. But at the same time, they're really part of a larger group. It was it was hard to really call them a duo. 
Yeah, that's fair. So that actually rolls nicely into my next one, which is uh, McAvoy and Fassbender in X-Men First Class. Nice. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. I thought they were really, mm. like, I thought they were, they were great together on screen. That's a good one. Emma Stone and Viola Davis in The Help. They're not on screen right. enough together. And it comes, I think it comes together in the end, but they weren't actually partners until like three quarters of the way through the movie. Fair enough. Chris, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto in the Star Trek reboot. I thought they were great. Uh, I really like that one too. So actually, uh, Chris Pine and um, Tom Hardy in that horrible movie. I can't remember. The, I didn't write the name of it down, but that you just made me think of it in real time okay. with, re, with, re, with Reese Witherspoon. It's actually really cute. This means war. Sorry. Oh, I never that looked that looked awful. Was They're it? really good. Their okay. chemistry is really, really good. I can see that. I have uh, my last. No, no, I've got three more. Okay. Uh, Cho and Penn and Harold and Kumar. <laughs> That's a good one. So my very last one is uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges in R.I.P.D., which is a horrendously Ooh. bad movie, but they are so good. The two of them are so good. Got it. Here are my last two that we're, I was just having fun with. Uh, Tom Hanks and the dog in Turner and Hooch. <laughs> yep. And then Tom Hanks and the volleyball in Castaway. So I thought the two <laughs> joke ones I wanted to make were were Tom Hanks and Wilson, and the other one was Sam Neill and a Raptor are the other two that I wanted right. to put in. So I love that we're ending on that. That was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed this. This is a fun episode. This is a silly episode, but I really liked it. Uh, okay, that means that we're going to do next week's top five, which that belongs to you, my friend. So this one I've been waiting on for a while, and I wanted to not sandwich it between anything similar to it whatsoever. But given that we are both quite the fan of PCU, I think today, next week, we are ready for the Kane Hackman theory. So top five movies starring either Michael Kane or Gene Hackman, which since PCU has come out, they've done so many more movies, is going to be like, I'm just saying this right now. This is going to be a massive struggle because either of them, both of their catalogs is so deep. So we're going to have to come up with some special little way of handling this because there's there's going to be so many amazing movies on the cutting room floor here that I don't quite know what we're going to do with. Yeah, I already am now struggling in real time. The only thing making me feel better is remembering the scene from PCU <laughs> is what's bring that's what's bringing me joy right now. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one, but it'll be a fun one. Cool. Well, you know, all I got to say is from 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 our list today. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> bye, Felicia. Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everyone.